Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumpacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blues Focus podcast airing every week on YouTube, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm Kieran, your host for this episode. Joining me on this episode, I've got Elliot. Um, complete contrast to last week when we last spoke. This time we've got two positive results to talk about. Uh, we'll start with the game away at Bristol City on Saturday. Uh, very much a game of two halves in terms of the, the style we went with, but ultimately got the three points. Yeah, it's nice to actually talk about a win for a change, isn't it? Um, it's been a while. Yeah, it has been. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it was a perfect away performance, definitely, and uh, and thoroughly deserved as well. Because I think it was a bit it was a bit cagey going in our half time. It could have it could have gone either way. I don't think it was a lot in the game, um, but that, I think we had that twenty minute spell where we absolutely dominated them, didn't we? And we could have could have had one or two. And then the ridiculous decision not to get to get the penalty as well. I mean, it was an absolute blatant handball. If that's in the Premier League, VAR looking at that, you know, it's 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 a no-brainer. It's straight away, it's a penalty. Um, and and what's even more worrying, and obviously we'll talk about the ref, the refereeing um, decisions, especially last night. Um, he's he's what four or five yards away from that. That incident as well, which is even more worrying. He's looking straight at it. So, um, and then yeah, it was just really pleasing to get the goal at the end, which we thoroughly deserved. Um, I think it would have been, yeah, it would have been completely um, unjust if we were want to come away with three points in that game. Yeah, I think obviously we hit the post with through Sanchez, I believe, as well, and. And to be honest, I don't really remember too many times where Bristol City threatened our, our goal, really. I don't think Efridge had to really um, work too hard throughout the 90 minutes. And, and like South the second half, we really put our foot on the gas. And, and for the first time this season, really, we kind of seen what we're actually capable of as an attacking force. Um, just, obviously, again, 
Um, and obviously we'll touch on it with last night's game as well. Uh, just seem to be missing that that player with the, the finishing touch as always, don't we? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously Hogan had one or two opportunities last night. Um, but I, I don't think, I don't feel like he had, he had the same sort of level of opportunities against Bristol City. I think um, a lot of opportunities came from some good play from the wide areas, which is really pleasing to see. Um, and obviously, a bit more energy in the midfield. So, Kifton Bell's come back in. And I, I, the, these, these two performances that he's had, I, I never saw it. I never saw it coming, to be honest. Well, Robbo called it when we spoke to him in the Q&A the other week. You know, he's yeah, he saw Kifton Bell's prizes. Um, whether Karanka watches it and, and picks up on that, then who knows? But you know, like yeah. I say, I mean, he's obviously coming to the team with a point to prove, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think... Well, uh, obviously, it's you know a few of the players have said that they, they had a meeting on I think it was Friday or after the Barnsley after the Barnsley defeat, um, and they've obviously all sort of got their heads together and um, and I think it's like what we said after the Barnsley game last week. You know, obviously Crank is you know well known for playing four four two three one, and we just want to see it now. We just want to we've got the personnel to play four two three one. We've now brought another number ten into the club. Um, and that's all the sports want to see, a bit of continu- continuity um, in terms of the system being played and the formation and the personnel. And I think we saw that last night. We had a really good performance on Saturday. Um, and then there was only one change, one enforced change for last night. And again, we get a good result. Yeah, I mean, another thing, obviously touching back to Kifton Bell, coming into the game against... Bristol City taking the place of um, San Jose in the midfield, which obviously we spoke about on the last podcast, kind of says he doesn't seem to be up to the, the pace yet. Um, do you think Kifton Bell's almost saying, or trying to basically show in San Jose, almost saying this is what you should be doing, this is what I'm capable of, and obviously almost it's good to see the competition there. You know, San Jose is now going to have to up his game, um, which he's obviously capable of. To, to muscle his way back into that midfield, that can only be healthy, can't it, for the team overall? Yeah, definitely. I think, like we mentioned a couple of weeks back, and obviously San Jose's been pulled out of the team. He's, he's lacking a little bit of energy now, and it's completely understandable. He's not played, you know, he's not been playing first team football for quite a while, and he, he was playing as, uh, you know, as a substitute last season, back end of last season. So, um, but Kifton Bell looks a new player to me. Um, don't get me wrong, he's still doing all the same things that he was doing in terms of the defensive work. He gets around the pitch, he puts the, puts his foot in, he makes tackles. He, he really disrupts the opponent's play. And he's great at that. But I've always felt with Kifton Bell, there's one thing that lets him down massively is his distribution. Gives the ball away time and time again and he's very frustrating to watch. But the last two games that he's played... His passing completion rates have been in the mid eighties to high eighties, which is incredible. I, I mean, I would not put money on that. You know, he came out he came out of the game against Bristol City, I think, with eighty six percent pass completion rate. So I don't know whether that's just the coaching that he's had. Um, people have got into him and said, "Look, your game is a short game. You don't need to be passing the ball further than five, ten, fifteen yards. You know, once you get the ball, you give it to someone who's a bit more creative." And that's what he was doing last night as well, picking the ball up quite high up in the pitch, and he was looking and he was taking his time. And I think um, he looks a new player to me. Well, we did used to see 
kifting about in the middle of the park, trying those round the corner, sweeping balls down the line and, and all sorts of things. Obviously, very rarely pulled them off, which I think, um, like you say, obviously, whether he's been had a, a, an arm around the shoulder from Karanka and said, keep it simple, keep it moving, mm. don't you know, do not dwell on it, shift it to your next nearest winger, whoever it may be. He's, he's there to break up the play rather than, you know, um, create the chances. That's not what his game's about. So, obviously, another person who's uh, has had a bit of a, a renaissance since we last spoke is your mate at left-back, Christian Pedersen. Um, thoughts on his last two performances? Well, yeah, Christian, yeah, he did. I mean, he, he didn't play against Bristol City. Uh, uh, That's a good point, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, last night, friend... last night he looked all right. Last night, didn't he? I think the defence oh, seemed to have had a bit of a a bit of a rocket from Karanka because they seem like different players again the past few games. All in all, well, I think performance-wise, you could tell that they had a serious talk, serious chat on you know after the Barnsley game, and um, Henderson was one of the players that sort of was pulled out of the team. And we said it after the, the Barnsley game. We said I think you know we we felt that. Clark Salter wasn't quite up to speed and, and Pedersen had a poor game at the back. Um, San Jose just looks all adrift um, in the midfield and, and, and he, he pulled those players out the sides. Um, obviously, we know Friend isn't going to be capable of playing three games a week or, you know, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. Um, so, it was, it was a natural, you know... It was a natural choice to bring in Pedersen at left back, wasn't it, last night? And yeah, he had a good game. I think it, it's it's worth noting again, similar to um, San Jose. Obviously, you'd imagine San Jose was brought in as a, as a first choice midfielder when he's on the top of his game. Uh, Pedersen is clearly the first choice left back, but again, it's almost like putting friend who can play left back in Pedersen's in his place, almost saying to Pedersen, "You need to step your game up because it's not like." Last season, there's pressure on you. You're not the only choice at left back now, and you will find yourself out of the team. And again, it just goes to show that the, while there might not have been the, the mind blowing signings at the time, the likes of Friend, for example, it, it adds that competition in the side that was lacking. I really think now that this can give our better players a push and really make them find that next level that. We know that they're capable of, let's be honest. We know Pedersen is better than what he's been showing in recent weeks. Um, hence why he was touted for a Premier League move in January. And, and obviously San Jose, as we've, we've said many times, on him comes in with a huge reputation, really, in terms of a championship-level player now. So we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. But moving on, we'll move on to the uh, positive aspects of the game. I know you've got a fair bit to say about... Um, man in the middle last night but another brilliant performance and another three points yeah yeah another three points just a, I think it was just a brilliant first half wasn't it performance last night and um, I, like a lot of supporters said last night you know we were playing almost against 12 men for the majority of that match um, and, and yeah um <laughs> I did, I did laugh, you know, I did think to myself, Terrell's having a really good performance here. It's quite, you know, quite a coincidence that he's uh, up to his game since uh, we've brought another, ten, another, another number 10, shall I say, into the club. 
um, of the quality that we have done. So, you know, he's obviously uh, thinking, right, I've got to, I've got to play well now to keep my my place in the side. Um, and yeah, I can't see him being dropped for Saturday after that first half performance. Well, I think we've always said on the podcast since we've signed him, haven't we? And, and I was always a huge fan of, of the idea of bringing Tuao back, and I was all for the signing when it happened. And I think we've always said if he finds that Tyrell that played for us on loan um, under Rowett, is a is a game changer, isn't it? He can, he's, you know, he can see a pass, he can pick a pass on the pitch. The only thing he seems to lack is a little bit of pace. Um, but last night, I think. He was fantastic, especially in that first half. He was unplayable at times. Obviously, two brilliantly taken goals. Whether uh, Hogan interfered with the keeper a little bit for that second goal, but look, sometimes you get away from them, sometimes you don't with those. Um, again, we saw the best of both worlds in in our play last night, didn't we? We we was lovely attacking football in the first half and, and dug in when it mattered in the second. Yeah, definitely, and, and obviously a few special mentions for players like you know, like we said just a moment ago, uh, Pedersen. You know, he did have a solid game left back, and again we said it last week, week before, week before that, that you've got to play the players in their favoured positions, and that is not left wing back and right wing back. They're a lot more comfortable, you know. Leco put an absolute shift in in front of him down the left side, which helped him out a lot. Track back so many times. Um, and it, Reading just couldn't play for us, and they've got some talented players. They've got some... so yeah, Reading have got some useful players. Lots saying um, they've got Elise, um, Ajaria, who's a very useful player. I think Elise is touted as you know being better than Jude Bellingham, according to Reading's fans. So um, you know, it was nice to see that they couldn't play through us. They got frustrated, and uh, we did the business in the first half. Yeah, we you hear a lot about this Elise, don't you? And I spoke to that Reading fan ahead of the game um, yeah. for the channel on Tuesday night, and you know who's singing the praises of Elise. But for whatever reason, he uh, he didn't turn up last night. Um, I mean, comparisons to to Jude are just by any for any young player are just ridiculous in my book. I mean. One of them's just won what, his third consecutive man of the match in the Champions League. He's only 17, so mm. yeah, one of them's just disappeared against Birmingham City and was pocketed by Gifton Bell. But yeah, not to uh, not to go fishing at all with them comments. Uh, but obviously, another another again, we actually went for it. Karanka seems to be taking on board the frustrations of the fans and he's finally letting these attacking players kind of play their own game, really. Uh, like you mentioned, Lekker really put a shift in last night. Um, body language was completely different to the last time when we spoke about him. He didn't really seem interested, whereas last night he was he was everywhere. <clears throat> and obviously we've touched on Terrell. Um, Scott Hogan, though, another guilt edge chance last night that he fluffed his lines with a bit. Do you think it's just a case of we just need to be patient with him as soon as he starts to hit the target, that's it? Or, you know, is there more to it, obviously, in his head now, do you think? Or yeah, That's a really difficult one, Scott Hogan. I don't think there's anything to worry about. I think, I think last night he had... 
he had a good opportunity, didn't he, with the ball, ball great ball through from Terrell, and he just couldn't get it under control. Um, he had the defender breathing down his neck. Um, I don't feel like he felt comfortable having that attempt on his left side. I think if it was on his right side, he would have been a bit happier. But, you know, I, I certainly won't worry. I'm, I'm, I would... He, play, he, he fits into the system a lot more than, than Djokovic does. So we've got to give him... We've got to give him Give time. I mean, one thing is we are actually approaching the the January window, you know, less than a month away, which obviously it's flown around this time now, thanks to to the late closing due to COVID. So um, obviously, if we can stay within some sort of touching distance of the top, especially the you know the, the top half, um, who knows what the second half of the season could hold, I suppose. If you can find a player that really fits into this system up top, who's mobile and, and knows that, who, who takes these chances when they're presented to them, they don't need three or four a game to, to hit the target. You've got the makings of a real good side by the looks of it after the last few performances. Um, yeah. I know you want to... Go on. I was just going to say, I, I just wanted to say, uh, sort of touch on what you alluded to earlier with regards to, you know, the team have been slightly unshackled, shall we say, a little bit in the last couple of games. And, and Hogan's looked a happier player. His movements have been a lot a lot better. Uh, he's been a bit more lively. He's been making a lot more runs. I think he just feels happier when, when we've got more of the ball rather than just sitting deep and defending all the time. It can be quite demoralising for a lone striker um, sitting up top on your own, just wondering whether you're ever going to get a touch of the ball. At the moment, he's getting, you know, there's a lot more opportunities for him to get in behind the defence. I mean, I don't know if it's just me watching the game last night or whether other people noticed it as well, but I thought there was a lot more getting the ball down and but playing our way upfield last night as well, rather than, you know, seeing your, your typical Dean and Roberts diagonals to a five-foot winger, um, which obviously, again, Hogan's movement and, and the pace uh, in the top half of the pitch can really play to that, can't they? Rather than having a, your target man, Djokovic, up there for that. But yeah, I think yeah, my, only, probably... my only issue with Hogan last night is... He, <laughs> He timed his run to perfection with his chance in the second half. He just needs to check across the line. He needs to, to time his runs a bit better sometimes. He's, he's offside more often than not last night, wasn't he? He is, but I would prefer to have a player that's trying to get into those positions um, and making those you know, attempts at, at runs rather than like a, you know, a static striker that's just looking to hold the ball up and, and feed others. I, I, I like to see players on the shoulder of defenders, you know, um, and last night he could have quite easily bagged bagged the goal for himself. Um, and I think it's it's also quite uh, it's handy that we've got you know we've improved the players that we've got in the forward areas. You know Sanchez can keep hold of the ball. Leco can actually move and keep hold of the ball as well. Um, and and that helps the striker because he knows that the players that are in and around him are going to be in possession of the ball a bit longer than you know a couple of seconds and then losing the ball. Yeah, now obviously I know you've got, um, I think in the podcast group chat last night, you had some very choice words for the uh, the man in the middle, um, uh, Mr. Tim Robinson, for his, his performance as a 12th man for Reading, even though they also had 2,000 fans in. Um, 
obviously your PC version of his performance last night? I don't think I've got a PC version, to be honest. <laughs> um, I'd say... I mean, this is the same guy that sent Kiftenbeld off for absolutely nothing at Brentford a couple of seasons back and then sent uh, Gary Monk off as well. Um, and like you said earlier, we had, the, we had that red card rescinded within 24 hours. Um, he's, I think we've also had another red card that he's given one of our players rescinded as well. I'm not completely sure who or when, but he's, uh, he's certainly uh, dished out quite a few red cards to, to our players. Um, I saw on Twitter earlier as well a game he, he uh, ref. I think it's earlier this season, um, uh, for Reading <laughs> um, against Barnsley. And he sent two of their players off, completely changed the game in that one as well, uh, because I think it was nil-nil up until that point. And again, the same situation last night. Um, you know, Dean's first yellow card's not a yellow card. But, you know, we don't know whether he's said something to the referee that's maybe caused him to get the yellow after the, after the challenge. And then, you know, obviously for the, the penalty which was, in my opinion, just a, a great block. Um, it, you know, it was two players shoulder to shoulder going at it. And, you know, and it was a goal-saving challenge. And he's, he's, given, he's given a penalty and, and sent Dean off. When you look at the replays, Dean is clearly ahead of the man making the block um, rather than going through him or, or swiping yeah. his legs. It's... it's uh, just like you said, and they said last night on the commentary, that's just great defending. You can't book a man for great defending. Obviously, it just seems for whatever reason this this referee does a dislike him for us. I think, um, and how refer how referees get away with these decisions nowadays, as as we've said with VAR many times for the Premier League, is the officials never have to come out and, and explain their decisions, and, and they never have to face the press or you know and or explain anything to the fans, which I think kind of. It doesn't help them when they make decisions like this because obviously they've got fans are going to get on their case, aren't they? Of course it is, and like we're seeing with VAR, and you know it's 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 not cleared it's not cleared a lot of the decisions up because unfortunately with football it still is quite um, a subjective sport. You know, a foul to one referee can be a not a foul to another, um, and and I think that's the that's the same thing if they brought VAR into the into the championship we're still going to have the same crap referees uh, viewing the replays and still coming up with the wrong decisions. I mean, obviously, the argument of VAR when it first came in was it's always got to be clear and obvious, hasn't it? They they only override uh, clear and obvious errors. But that's, you, that's then you look, happened, I was going to say, then you look at the offsides that are given nowadays. Uh, you're telling me they're clear and obvious and they need overhauling, but people offside by a shirt sleeve is absolutely deluded. Um, and obviously, like you say, there is upsides to it. Uh, not often would Blues benefit from it, I'm guessing. But Bristol City, the penalty that wasn't given, I mean, Callas might have should have might as well have just ran off with the ball in his hands and carried on playing rugby. It was that obvious of a handball. So, yeah, but obviously, that the technology needs to be managed better and it needs to be watched better. But ultimately, we just need better officials, don't we? Especially at championship level, it's such a fast-flowing and competitive league. Well, yeah, and, and you know what? The refereeing standard is, the standard of refereeing is so bad, even at, at Premier League level. I mean, you've got one or two that are uh, of a good level, but you've, you've even got to, we've even got to the point now, even in the Premier League, where they're having to 
having to to give referees days off from going and doing their their roles in the VAR hub because they don't trust them to even get those decisions right. You know, they're, they're dropping referees from even doing the VAR side of it. So that's that's even worrying that you can't trust the referee to even look at a replay several times and get a decision right, let alone on a on a on a you know the picture play real time. So. Yeah, I think the referee, the level of referees at the moment, it, the whole refereeing side of things needs to be overhauled big time in this country. Um, and, and we're suffering for it big time in the championship because we haven't got VAR. And the referees that are on the field, are the majority of them are so poor. And I don't think I ever <clears throat> can ever recall a game where we've had a, a, a decent referee. Um, and, and nine times out of ten, that's Okay. Okay. Well, I think we had I think we had Mike Dean, didn't we, uh, for one of our games. I can't remember when it was. I don't know if it was the back end of last season or whether it was. I can't remember which game it was. And it was actually night and day having a Premier League referee compared to a Championship referee, and that's saying something. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a, a discussion that's going to rage on and on, isn't it? Because yeah. it, it's been so bad for, for well, since we dropped back down to the Championship well, a good um, well, nine years ago. Nine years ago now. So, yeah, well, what can we do? We're, we're kind of stuck with these. And until the authorities kind of take notice of these decisions that are being made, um, and, and to have a shake-up and do something about it, I think we'll sit here every week and bemoan one decision over. Yeah, but I think it's just the inconsistencies. You don't mind the referee, you know, being overzealous with booking players as long as he's doing it for both sides. You know, um, same goes for if he's not dishing out the yellow cards. You know, you've got to, you've got to, there's got to be some give and take both sides, you know. And, you know, last night we saw one or two quite bad challenges from Reading, Reading players, you know, and, and some blatant fouls, you know, shirt pulling and whatnot, and they're, they're getting nothing, you know. Oh, well, right. oh, the one that stands out to me is Gardner, break, broke down yeah. the right-hand side, clearly pushed in the back, pushed over, and just get up and get on with it, the refs wants. But I've seen, you know, obviously, Reading got free kicks and decisions for, for much less than that. Yeah. Um, I see another discussion that's, that's, that's reared its head in past... Uh, week um now the fans are back and obviously i want to get your opinion on it and your views uh is taking the knee um the black lives matter movement which obviously the players support and, and the majority of sane fans support it's nothing about a political movement for me personally uh, a couple of boos and groans millwall um i think there was a few incidents at colchester and my view as well. Just your take on it, really. What, what are your thoughts? Um, is it time that we do more than just take the knee? Is it time that surely we really need to stamp it out and eradicate it from the game now as much as humanly possible? Yeah, obviously, I think we all just want it eradicated, don't we, from sport and just life in general. You know, racism, we, there's no place for it. And it's really difficult because, you know, Unfortunately, you know, with Black Lives Matter, I think it's become quite political and, and you can see why, you know, people are doing it. But at the same token, it's frustrating as well because it is still highlighting a massive issue that is going on in society and especially in our game. And we want to keep highlighting it. And I think that's why we keep taking a knee because we want to keep 
you know, bringing it to the forefront of people's minds that, you know, racism's wrong and it needs to be stamped out. So I don't know. I think, I think there needs, it's a really difficult one. I certainly wouldn't boo it. Or I wouldn't boo any player for taking a knee because that is their decision. Um, but I, I still I think there's of, a lot more that can be done. Kind of, what I would say is I bet it's it, it easily misconstrued, obviously, if they boo it. Are they booing the fact that they're doing it? I don't really think that was the case. I think is it more the case of they're booing it? It's still going on and yet nothing's changed, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, I understand Black Lives Matter is apparently this, this huge political movement. Is that, but I think when it was brought into Tekla um <clears throat> the players aren't worried about what Black Lives Matter does outside of the football pitch. They're, they're making the point of, <clears throat> you know, everyone's equal. Is basically all we're saying. They're saying when they take the knee at the start of the pitch, they stand for the message that every single player is equal. Every single person who attends a game is equal. Um, and like I say, whether <clears throat> whether people agree or disagree, you've got to support the players and, and the message they're trying to get across. Yeah, absolutely, of course. And obviously, you see the issue again. Um, even the official. Um, match officials PSG against uh, Istanbul on Tuesday night um, so it, it is it, that just shows how deep rooted it is in our game um, and obviously it needs more than just these slogans and to, to eradicate it something really needs to be done doesn't it they need to start clamping down on on everything, every aspect of it, giving ten grand fines for clubs when their fans make monkey chants, for example. Uh, what does that do? You get fined more for letting your players off the leash and getting five yellow cards in a game than you do for your fans racially abusing a player. That doesn't make any difference, does it? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think it's, it's really difficult. It's a really difficult because you know, and I feel for. I feel for countries that you know are, are, are struggling with racism, you know, in football. And your national team could work so hard to qualify for a major tournament, and then consequently be thrown out of that tournament because of the actions of mindless idiots in the stands. is is so difficult to, you know, to take. You know, but certainly in terms of the fines and stuff, it, it needs to be a lot. You know. It needs to be a lot heftier to try and get, you know, the governing bodies to take bigger action against, you know, at the end of the day, if you've got people coming, you know, vast amounts of people coming to the ground and being racist, then they shouldn't be in that ground. And there should be more being done to keep those people out because it's not wanted. Well, I can only hope that PSG and Istanbul and the actions they took after Tuesday night's incident and refusing to play on on that evening can be the start of something because it's the first real time we've seen both teams put their foot down and say, no, we're not going to continue until you do something about this fourth official because we won't stand for it. Obviously, there's been incidents in the past, Italy, for example, where players walk off the pitch, but you know, this is the first time where they haven't come back out half an hour later, like, nothing has happened. I think this needs to especially UEFA now, you think, well, I'll take note and, and that can only have a knock-on effect, surely, hopefully for the better. Yes, definitely. 
Should we should we move on to uh, yeah? Let's to move Saturday. on to, to let's move on to Saturday. Let's move on to Saturday. Um, still no fans for us, unfortunately. Um, but another home game, Watford. Uh, another team in the top six, which means another three points for Blue, surely. <laughs> yeah, I would say that if we're away from home, but our home form has been so so bad since probably this time last year, hasn't it, really? And it's something that definitely Cranker needs to get to the bottom of and uh, solve because, you know, I think our away form, I think we're in the top eight, you know, form-wise, away from home this season. Um, but our, our home form, I think we're in the bottom four, which, which sort of, you know, tells a story. I think out of the five defeats this season, four have been at home. And I think, you know, we've got to find a way of working out how to be more effective at home. I think Watford have only scored three goals away from home this season, had a look earlier. So, you know, if we can keep a clean sheet on Saturday, um, I feel confident that we might actually uh, take the three points. And you know me, I don't normally say, uh, I'm never normally that confident. I think Watford that's the only time I've ever heard the word confident <laughs> come out of your mouth, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, so, looking at the table after last night's game so uh, home form we have played eight, eight points two wins true draws and four defeats a minus three goal difference away from home we are in eighth place played nine positive two goal difference and 14 points uh, obviously the, the one defeat at Norwich, which came in the last minute, um, very unfortunate to lose that game. Actually, when you when you look back, uh, we did put a shift in. Norwich had their chances, but um, I thought the way we defended, we deserved to come away with a point. So, uh, but it definitely seems now he's found the formation that works, hasn't he? He's found the style of play that seems to suit the the players that you'd assume will. We'll take up the the starting eleven positions on on Saturday again, um, and it's about capitalising on on Watford's poor away form themselves, isn't it? Absolutely. I, you know, like we just say, you know, hopefully he sticks with this system and this formation. But now we've said that, he'll probably revert back to a five at the back on Saturday. But um, I, I like to think, you know, having you know with the like they often say in football, you know, what a difference a week can make sometimes. And it certainly, I think, hopefully, certainly has for us that we can hopefully go into this game more like a, a, of a mindset of it. It's a free hit. It's against a, a Premier League side, probably still are, you know, Premier League level, some of the players that they've got in that side. So let's have a go. And, you know, I don't think it'll get many fans, uh, you know, berating the manager if we, uh, you know, if we go on and lose on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, like you say, it's the same as the Bournemouth game, isn't it? This is still a the core is still Premier League quality players that have been there last season. Um, hence, why they're only four points off Norwich. But in con- contrast, like you say, Watford, the best home form in the league so far by by a long distance, four points clear at top of the home table. Played nine, yeah. twenty-two points uh, away from home, uh, similar to our home form. Played eight. Eight points, minus one goal difference. So it's going to be a very interesting game to see how Karanka approaches it. 
But if you was to put your neck on the line at the minute, score prediction, what do you think for Saturday? Um, I think my head says a one-all. I think it'll be a tight game. Um, but obviously my heart, I'm hoping for like maybe a 2-1 win. Um, but uh, I really don't know. It's going to be, you know, Troy, Troy Dean is going to return and I, I've got a bad feeling he's probably going to have a good game. Uh, he had a good game the other night. Um, uh, yeah, like, like you just said, look through their sides. They're, they're so strong and, and their bench as well. Um, I don't think they've got too many injury concerns. I think they've got about eight or nine senior strikers to choose from as well. Very good options as well. I'll, I'll take just a couple of those options at, at Blues, to be honest. Um, but obviously, our, uh, we'll stick with Scott Hogan. Give him the chance. Like you say, you never know. It could, all it takes is one goal for him to turn his form around, doesn't it now? I think so. I think he's been. Do- I think he's been doing okay up until now. I think, you know, I don't think there's anything to be alarmed with at the moment with his recent performances. So, but yeah, like we just said, I think the key to our season this year is is turning this home form around. We, I think that's the key. If we can turn this home form around, um, we could be in for a good season. Uh, we'll end with a new snippet that we've done last week as well, although there wasn't much to shout about, uh, with the free word reviews that people have sent us. Uh, so someone put most away wins because we've now won the most away games in second tier history, which obviously in a way is good. It also just shows we've spent too much time in the second tier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Uh, That's an interesting one. Someone put don't cry ready. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. <laughs> Starting to click, which we've touched on already. Yeah, the, players, um, play, players playing in their favourite positions. It tends to happen. Yeah, someone... Uh, I mean, you're cautiously optimistic for one game. Someone's three-word review was we're going up. Yeah, I'm not that optimistic. <laughs> Someone Going else to the top half, maybe. Yeah. Someone else is in agreement with me. They just put keep the green. Yeah, Which, I think I might go. I think I might go buy one, mate. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure you gave me some grief when I told you that I bought this shirt. To be honest, uh, what do you call me? A uh, uh, paramedic. <laughs> yeah. No comment. <laughs> you don't need to. I'm over it I'm over it Uh, and then obviously just quickly before we finish off as well just want to get your opinions on this academy restructure that's going on I mean a lot of people up in arms about it it's not going to produce another Jude Bellingham but you know are they too few and far between these players that break through to really be concerned about it anyway yeah I think I, I think the comms was bad from the club um it, it made it sound like they were closing the whole academy up and, and shutting it down. And, and and that would be, in my opinion, a bad idea because obviously you want young lads from the local area aspiring to, to play for the local club, don't you? And you want more Jude Bellingham. So I think they've got to keep the, the early ages still in there. But I think I think what they do need to restructure and I think what they're going to do is they're going to restructure the under-18s, the under-23s because 
like you just said, there's there isn't an, there isn't enough of those players stepping up or are good enough um, and are challenging the, the players that are in the first team squad. Um, and we all know that Pranka doesn't like a, a, a large pool of players in his first team squad, which means that the the B teams and the C teams, for example, need to have better quality. Um, and I think uh, like the last sort of six months or so, we've we've been actually recruiting players for the the was you know the, the development side. So I think it's been uh, uh, something that's been sort of in motion for for a little while now that we're sort of going more towards the, the B team model that sort of Brentford have adopted. But I think we definitely need to be uh, keeping the academy as well. Um, that's a no-brainer. You can't get rid of that. You can't you can't go away from uh, coaching kids and um, it's just great for the local area to to have that. You can't get rid of that. Otherwise, we're going to lose all our potential uh, local talent to, to rival clubs. Yeah, I think you sort of see with um, the signing, like you say, of Soldavia from um, yeah. the young Spanish lad in the summer. That, that he's obviously a shooting for for one of these sides, and obviously many others as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we've covered a lot in this episode. Um, with a bit yeah. of positivity for a change as well, so it's always good, isn't it? Um, yeah, we're, we're probably going to lose 4 0 on Saturday now. <laughs> Can you wait till I stop recording for that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's about all we've got time for, anyway. Um, but we'll, uh, well, we might not catch up for a few weeks, obviously, with, mm. uh, with your little one, Joe. So. Give you some well-earned time off. Thanks, mate. Going to need it. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I'll speak again soon. Um, If you enjoy this, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, Send us your messages, your questions, like Blue's Focus Pod on the socials. And until next time, thanks for watching. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.